Virtual Legality is a YouTube video series with audio podcast versions presented as commentary and for education and entertainment purposes only. It does not constitute legal advice and does not create an attorney-client relationship. If you have legal questions about the topics discussed, please consult your own legal counsel. Honestly, you don't want to be taking generic legal advice from a YouTube channel or podcast in any event. On with the show. Sony buys Insomniac, why the acquisition wars are cause for celebration. Hello and welcome to another episode of Virtual Legality. I'm your host, Richard Hogue, managing partner of the Hogue Law Business Law Firm of Northville, Michigan. And today, for the first time ever, we are doing two Virtual Legality episodes in one day because we could not skip news that is this big. So without further ado, let's take a look at the article. This is in IGN. This is in VentureBeat, GamesBeat, Kotaku, everywhere else. Sony acquires Spider-Man PS4 developer Insomniac Games. Now we're going to get into the nitty gritty a little bit here, but in the interest of full disclosure, if you haven't followed Virtual Legality or the Hogue Law YouTube channel for very long, you should know that my brother, Thomas Hogue, who is regularly appearing on a show that we do on this channel called Thabto, Two Hogues Are Better Than One, was a video game developer at Insomniac for a time. I still have his business card that calls him an insomniac. He worked on Ratchet and Clank, A Crack in Time. He worked on what would eventually be Fuse, uh, but which was not called that at the time that he was working on it before going on to other companies and I got to tour the Insomniac facilities. I got to meet with a couple of the Insomniacs, uh, and it was a, a very cool experience. Insomniac is a great company, and although it's described here as the Spider-Man PS4 developer, for good reason, uh, it was known to me primarily for Spyro uh, and Ratchet and Clank and those games, a very kind of cute-oriented uh, weapons-based by the time you got to Ratchet and Clank c company, but... Above all else, it was always one of those companies that felt like it was delivering AAA material basically all the time. Uh, and last year when they released Spider-Man PS4 in 2018, I really felt like it was a coming out moment for the studio that it hasn't seen in a number of years. Spider-Man, if you look at virtual legality or if you look at the rest of this channel, you'll see is Hoglaw's number three, I believe, Game of the year for 2018, absolutely an incredible experience, uh, and it sold through the roof. We're going to see in the press release that Sony and Insomniac released just how well it sold. But throughout this entire period of time, even though Insomniac was primarily making games for Sony, the best way to think about them was essentially as a second-party developer. Uh, and second-party I'm using here, there's a lot of kind of disagreement about what third-party and second-party and first-party means. Uh, but I'm using it in general to mean first partner means owned. You are directly owned by the publisher and you do what they tell you to do. Third party means you are your own boss and you have to go and you have to sign contracts with various different publishers to get any given game marketing or publishing pipeline or whatever it is that you're going to do. Second party, I usually mean to have established some kind of exclusivity arrangement with a publisher. You might liken this a little bit to the kind of option concept 
for screenplays or for television shows. But basically, I mean, one, it probably has an actually traditional business relationship with a publisher that it's comfortable with. Clearly, Insomniac and Ted Price, who is the head of Insomniac, was very comfortable with Sony Worldwide Studios. They would enter into these arrangements to make exclusive Sony games to work with Sony Intellectual Property that was essentially owned by Sony. If you look at Spider-Man, Spider-Man is licensed to Sony from Marvel, uh, but Sony has certain rights to that. So Insomniac made it a Sony exclusive when they made Spider-Man. But today's news is something different. Today's news is taking a company that was second party. So you had a very good relationship with them, but you didn't own them. They could at any moment decide to make Sunset Overdrive and put it on the Xbox One, which they did at the start of this generation. And you're Sony and you're looking at it and you're saying, hey, we want to consolidate some power. We want to make sure that our worldwide studios continue to be excellent, continue to be the best in the world. Uh, Certainly, if you're Sony, you think that. This generation has really borne that out so far. I don't think that's a wild opinion to hold. Microsoft is certainly expending assets, doing their level best to catch up. I love my Xbox One X, uh, but they haven't had the same kind of output as Sony throughout this generation. Sony says, hey, we want to continue to consolidate that position. Insomniac releases a crazy good game like Spider-Man last year. And today at Gamescom, they announce simultaneous to that opening night live event that Jeff Keighley is hosting that they have purchased Insomniac Games. And so let's take a look at how this was actually described in this article. Then we're going to actually go to the press release because if you're, you know virtual legality, you know we really like to look at as much of the source material as we can. Uh, and if you're interested in kind of the details about how a transaction like this looks, if it's an equity purchase, if it's an asset purchase, how these things get valued, what kind of time frame they take place on, I highly recommend, and I will try to remember to put a card up in here, uh, a video that we did in virtual legality, which was about the potential for Sony to buy Rockstar uh, or to buy Take-Two in its entirety, actually, at that point in the rumor cycle. And we talk a little bit about what the anatomy of an acquisition is, and that's very useful here to what this is because, as we will find out in the press release that they actually released, we don't actually have a lot of details as to what this looked like, whether it was a purchase of the assets of the company or the equity of the company, what the price was. And they can do that because there's non-disclosure obligations and they can hide the ball a little bit there. Uh, But if you're interested in what a deal looks like, we did a great video on that. You can find it hopefully in a card to this video. I'll try to link it in the description. And it's also directly on my uh, webpage at hoaglaw.com because we do find it useful to talk to even prospective clients about what a deal actually looks like. They say Sony and Insomniac are in definitive agreements to acquire Insomniac who have long held a partnership with PlayStation throughout the four generations of home PlayStation consoles from Spyro the Dragon on the original PlayStation through to 2018 Spider-Man on PS4. Insomniac will become the 14th studio in Sony's current lineup of Worldwide Studios Development Studios. Now, they pull a bunch of quotes from the press release, but we do think that it's useful to go to those primary source materials. So I've pulled this up from the PR wire. And this is the official way that Sony and Insomniac announced. This is what you will see quoted in the various articles that you see coming out this afternoon because this was only announced uh, essentially half an hour ago. Sony Interactive Entertainment to acquire Insomniac Games, developer of PlayStation 4's top-selling Marvel Spider-Man and Ratchet and Clank. They announced it today. They say that Marvel's Spider-Man has sold through more than 13.2 million copies worldwide as of July 28th, 2019. You say, wow. That is a lot of copies of the video game, especially when you consider it's only on one console. This isn't a multi-platform release. Marvel Spider-Man was only available on the Sony PlayStation, and it sold 13 
million copies. And when we get to the end of this video and we're kind of talking about the lay of the land and what this means going forward and especially into the next console generation, one of the things to keep in mind is that Microsoft has been on the buying warpath now for two E3s, essentially two fiscal years. They've been buying up a number of companies, Ninja Theory, Double Fine, Obsidian, all these different companies, which I would generally describe as smallish. The only real exception to that is they bought Playground Games, which was working on their Forza Horizon series, which was getting a lot of sell-through in that Forza uh, level. Now, that isn't the same, in my view, if I'm looking at this from a business perspective, as an insomniac that has had these decades of success and then that had their biggest success last year. This is an acquisition completely on a different level from Obsidian or from Double Fine or from Ninja Theory. And it's worthwhile to note that. Now, some are going to say... And they're going to say it rightly. Some are going to say, hey, Sony was mostly already getting all their output. So this seems like an expenditure of money with limited upside from Sony and maybe not as big of a pebble in the pond as some of Microsoft's acquisitions. And you can certainly make that case. But I think if we're just talking about output, we're talking about the company size, we're talking about what it has delivered year after year after year. This is, in my opinion, the biggest transaction to take place in the current kind of ever escalating acquisition battle between the parties. But we're going to also talk about how Microsoft and Sony are actually aimed at different goals right now. And that is in some way helpful to both sides in terms of targeting what they want to target in respective acquisitions. And also because Microsoft is trying to do something slightly different from Sony, that Microsoft is maybe not going to take this as a shot across the bow as it might otherwise have when it was going head to head with Sony in, in terms of the early days of the Xbox versus PlayStation. I think Microsoft has a different vision for the next generation console. And I think it's a vision that is adjacent to what Sony is doing and is certainly very interested in what Nintendo and Switch is doing, which is why you are seeing other announcements like today, earlier today, was a fantastic announcement, again, related to Gamescom, in which they said Ori in the Blind Forest is going to come to Nintendo Switch, just like Cuphead did earlier. These are Microsoft-built games, and they're essentially making them available on the Nintendo system, again, because Microsoft is building something a little bit different. But let's take a look at what was actually revealed in this press release about the Insomniac purchase, because we can't get a lot but we can get some. So it says, building on a working relationship between Insomniac Games and SIE, which is Sony Interactive Entertainment, spanning more than 20 years, this acquisition enhances the creative force within SIE WWS, which is Worldwide Studios, and formally adds a studio to the PlayStation family that continues to raise the bar on open world, story-driven games. So you can see they're highlighting the open world pedigree of Insomniac, which is interesting. That tends to suggest that whatever they're doing next, whether or not it's Spider-Man 2, which it probably is, uh, is going to be an open world experience. They say the day-to-day -day operations of Insomniac Games post-closing of the acquisition are expected to be run by the current management team in conjunction with SIE WWS San Mateo Studio. So let's talk just a second about where this deal is right now, because we've mentioned it in other videos. This is what I do for a living. But it's easy to get confused when you see a press release like this and think Insomniac is now owned by Sony. That's not the case. The way that this process works is the two sides exchange a term sheet. This would have been months ago that says, hey, we're interested in buying your assets or, or we're interested in buying your stock and we're interested in buying it for roughly this amount of money. And then it has some other details. What's going to happen to our employees? What's going to happen to management? What's going to happen to our benefits plan? Are you going to get rollover equity in Sony Interactive Entertainment? Whatever that might be, a whole bunch of other details are set forth in that term sheet. This is then signed by the parties. This is months and months and months and months ago. 
once that's signed, that's when the lawyers get to work because you don't want to pay for lawyers too early. Because if you don't have agreement on, hey, this is the amount of money that you're going to get for the company, there's no reason to pay the lawyers to spend hundreds of hours at work developing the documents that you'd need to evidence the deal because you don't have an agreement as to what the deal even looks like. Now, that can change as the, defin as the definitive documents get drafted. But once the lawyers get to work, they start hammering out a lot of documents. When you're purchasing a company, you're talking about hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of pages of materials, especially for a company that is as robust and as mature as Insomniac is. And so the lawyers start working on that. They're continually contacting Sony and Insomniac and Insomniac's counsel, and they're all working together. They're having conference calls. They're doing this for months and months and months. On the day that they finally have hammered out what the definitive agreements look like, they sign those up. That's effectively the day when this press release goes out. And you say, okay, Rick, that's signed. What are we waiting for? Well, as part of that transaction, as part of that agreement, what you're actually signing is this is what the deal looks like, but it's going to be terminable. There's going to be conditions to closing. And you see it referenced here in the press release in various other places that they could potentially be waiting for regulatory approvals is listed here and other closing conditions. Those are things like, hey, you lease your building and if you change control or if you sell your assets, the landlord gets to say whether or not it kicks you out. So one of the things that you have to get before we can close a deal is you have to go get the landlord to consent to letting us stay in your space. Or if it's part of the deal and it's important to us, you have to get the landlord to come to the table with us and agree to a five-year extension or a 10-year extension or whatever that looks like. That's an easy example, but there's a whole laundry list of closing conditions that go and they say, hey, you have to get all these closing conditions done. And some of those are going to be on the Sony side as well. You have to get all these closing conditions done by some kind of date certain maybe December 31st, 2019, whatever makes sense in the definitive documents for what it is you're trying to accomplish. And if you get all those things done and everybody agrees that it's all done, then that's the closing date. And that's when the actual company changes hands. And that's an important date because that's when you actually know that Insomniac is part of the Sony family. As of today, they aren't. But you release this press release because those closing conditions are assumed by both parties to essentially be logistical concerns. You send your lawyers out, potentially you send brokers out, whatever, whoever it is that's working for you, you go and you get those documents and it's unlikely that those are going to be drivers to change the overall economics of the transaction. So you go out and you say today, hey, this deal is done. Sometimes you see them break apart. I'm sure you're familiar with some news items that say there's going to be a big merger and sometimes regulatory approvals become an issue. I will tell you right now, the video game industry is such that it's very unlikely that regulatory approvals would be an issue here. Those are generally related to monopoly power and antitrust concerns. And Insomniac is great and is large and is very productive and fruitful, but they aren't, by going into the Sony family, going to trigger any kind of regulatory compliance issues, I wouldn't guess. Uh, the other closing conditions are what are really going to cause it to take months and months and months to get this done. And sometimes if you're dealing with a third party, that third party just says no. And it can all fall apart if that third party doesn't get the, the consent that it wants to give. Now, it's unlikely. It really is unlikely. You don't release a press release like this if you think you've got any closing conditions which are really far afield or are going to be difficult to accomplish. So you release this press release when you think everything else on the list is going to eventually get done. There are certain other approvals that might also have to happen as well. But that's where we sit right now. We've got the definitive agreements. That means both parties have signed up to sell Insomniac to Sony, but that the actual sale doesn't occur until these closing conditions are met. The last sentence that I highlighted here are that financial terms of the transaction, including the acquisition cost, are not disclosed due to contractual commitments. 
In other words, you've got certain obligations to your finance sources, to your investors, to your bank. You've got a whole host of obligations that says you can't say what this is worth uh, to anybody else for at least a time. Now, that might appear later on in some Sony financials. It'll certainly be buried in some of their expenditures for acquisitions because they are a fully public company and they're going to release these financials as the year goes on. It's something that folks like Dom on Twitter, if you follow him, are probably going to highlight when they go through the financials as they come out each quarter. But for right now, we can't know how much it costs. Uh, we can say that uh, in the last couple of years, we know like a company like Respawn was bought by Electronic Arts for $400 million. This is very, very likely significantly more than that. Uh, Insomniac has a better, longer pedigree, has made more money on the things that it has sold. Uh, and Sony uh, is very much interested in consolidating its first party support so as to not let anything leak out to primarily Microsoft from Sony's perspective. So I would imagine that it was significantly more than that. Although there are certainly different ways to, to skin that particular issue. Uh, you can issue stock in your own company to cover a great deal of the purchase price if Ted Price and the other owners of Insomniac are interested in taking on that kind of uh, future-looking risk. You know, anytime you own stock in something, it can go up, it can go down. That's not necessarily as good as cash in your pocket unless you think it's really going to accrue in value. Uh, but the, we, since we don't know the acquisition cost at this point in time, uh, it's very difficult to say exactly whether or not it was a good deal or a bad deal. We just know that the deal occurred. Finally, they've given us quotes from each side, which is very use, uh, useful and is the usual course of uh, dealing in transactions like this type. They say Insomniac Games is one of the most highly acclaimed development studios in the industry, and their legacy of best-in-class storytelling and gameplay is unparalleled, said Sean Layden, chairman of Worldwide Studios. We have enjoyed a strong collaborative partnership with the studio for many years and are thrilled to officially welcome them to the Worldwide Studios family. The addition of Insomniac Games to SIEWWS reiterates our commitment to developing world-class gaming experiences that can only be found on the PlayStation platform. Again, note, very much focused on exclusivi uh, exclusivity. Sony wants you to know the best games can be found on Sony. We're buying up the companies to make that happen. This is a little bit different than Microsoft's philosophy. We're going to get to that in just a second. Finally, we have a quote from Insomniac and Ted Price. Joining the WWS family gives Insomniac even greater opportunities to achieve our studio vision of making positive and lasting impressions on people's lives, said Ted Price, Insomniac Games founder and CEO. We've enjoyed a special relationship with PlayStation practically since our inception. Our partnership amplifies our potential, and Marvel's Spider-Man was a testament to this. We're excited to take the next step in our growth alongside our longtime WWS partners. Most of all, we look forward to delivering fresh, new experiences for our fans. And it's very interesting Spider-Man is at the center of this entire press release, right? Obviously, it sold 13 million copies. This is what everybody's thinking about. But it is... This is the way business works, right? You had a relationship at Insomniac with Sony. It was strong. It was great. Then you entered into another contract, another relationship with Spider-Man. And apparently it was so good. The way that Sony is operating right now is so beneficial. And Insomniac and Ted Price liked it so much that that's when those conversations start getting started. You've got Spider-Man come out the door. It's critically acclaimed. It's in a lot of Game of the Year lists. Sony and Insomniac say hey, maybe we should consider doing this on a permanent basis. Ted Price has been independent for a long, long time. I got to meet him very, very, very briefly uh, when uh, my brother was working at Insomniac, literally passing in the halls type briefly. Uh, but I've known from his interviews and from his uh, demeanor in talking about Insomniac that independence was very important to them for a long, long time. So when you've got that situation, when you've got a founder group whose independence is important, if you're looking to acquire them, if you're Sony in this scenario, 
one of the hurdles that you have to overcome is we're not going to destroy your baby when we buy you. We're going to give you certain things. You see here a reference to your management team will stay the same. We aren't spending hundreds of millions of dollars to change the way you operate because that doesn't make sense for what we're doing. And did you like the way that we worked with you in respect of Spider-Man? Because that's how we intend to work with you even when we own you. And that would have gone a long way. That Spider-Man relationship is very clear to be part of the narrative of how something like this happens because your big concern if you own Insomniac is what's going to happen if I sell it to the 800-pound gorilla in the room. And if they were nice to you during the Spider-Man uh, development, that's something that can help get you over that hump and jump that hurdle in order to get to the acquiring stage. Now, once a company owns you, they own you. And Sony could start treating you differently in the future. That's the risk that you take. Hopefully, it's a risk you take with a big sack of money in your bank account. But in this particular instance, I can see how they got there. And it's a very, very exciting acquisition from my perspective because it does show Sony is still interested in investing hundreds of millions of dollars in consolidating its efforts to make good first-party video games. And just like I'm in favor of the acquisitions that Microsoft made, which I think were great and well fought, this acquisition leans towards the entire industry really putting money and putting its money where its mouth is in terms of focusing on making good games, putting the resources behind making good games. From Microsoft's perspective, and I wanted to get to this before the end of this video, they're building something a little bit unique. We haven't exactly seen something like this. We've seen people refer to it as the Netflix of games, and I'm talking about Game Pass now. That's not a great analogy because Game Pass is something different. It is driving people to the Microsoft ecosystem. It is driving them to certain places on the PC and elsewhere. But what they're really trying to do is populate it. This is an echo of the Netflix problem to the extent that it has it, which is that it needs content to work. The Game Pass makes a lot of sense. It's very attractive to a lot of people as long as it's continuing to get new assets put in that people can get excited about. You look at their acquisitions and their smaller companies, Ninja Theory, Obsidian, Double Fine, a bunch of other smaller companies related to that. I think they bought the, co the company that made uh, We Happy Few. And so they've been building up a portfolio of content that maybe isn't AAA, maybe isn't as highfalutin as Kratos and Ratchet and & Clank and Spider-Man and the other big name games that are essentially the backbone of the Sony platform and the Sony paradigm. But they are good games, and they are games that are going to populate this game pass. And then you see Microsoft essentially aligning itself with Nintendo, allowing Ori to go over there, allowing Cuphead to go over there, potentially allowing some of these other games from these companies that they just purchased to go over there to the Nintendo Switch and essentially create a kind of alliance of sorts with the portability of the Nintendo and the Netflixification of the Xbox through the game pass against what amounts to the old school paradigm of the walled garden exclusive console box that is Sony and PlayStation. And in my opinion, as a gamer, as a game player in 2019, 2020 and beyond, this is an absolutely fantastic structure for the industry to continue to grow and expand because you've got three different players essentially playing three different related but not identical games and all willing to put their money where their mouth is and help fund this hobby and this pastime that we love so much. And Sony buying Insomniac Games is, yes, the first salvo that I can recall in the recent past of Sony essentially joining this acquisition battle. But it's so different from what Microsoft has purchased and from where they've put their money that I think it's a absolutely a fundamentally good thing. And so while we argue about exclusivity, we argue about the Epic Game Store and Steam and all sorts of different things, and you can say, hey, Insomniac isn't going to release a game on a Microsoft or on a Nintendo now. 
And yes, that could potentially be an issue. I think overall, you're going to get a much bigger pie from this structure of Microsoft and Nintendo and Sony putting their money into these various different buckets than you would if everybody was competing, even just for third parties putting multi-platform titles out there. And if you can't tell from my tone and demeanor in this video, I'm very, very excited about this acquisition, about the future. I absolutely love Insomniac. I think they treated my brother great. I think they put out good video games. Uh, and I'm thrilled to see them with the resources of Sony directly behind them. I'm thrilled to see Microsoft expand into the areas that they are expanding into. Obviously, the Nintendo Switch is one of my favorite platforms. And I can't stop playing Fire Emblem Three Houses. So overall, I think this is just a fantastic day for video games. And I think if you are not, you should be excited about what the future holds in virtual legality and the video game industry in general. I hope you liked this video. If you did, please like, please subscribe. We're talking about this stuff all the time, including a video that I published this morning on Dark talking about Epic exclusivity and why they rejected that exclusivity. Uh, and please share it around. We love talking about these things. We can't get to everywhere on the internet, whether it's Reset Era or NeoGAF or Reddit. We love having these videos shared and having new people come into our comments. Again, I'll try to link the description uh, of that Rockstar video that I did on Sony's potential acquisition, just to give you a little bit more color on what a transaction like this might look like. Otherwise, if you watch this on YouTube, thank you so much for watching. If you listen to it on a podcast, thank you so much for listening. And I will catch you on the very next episode, which, hey, might be in three hours of virtual legality.